Welcome to the RNR podcast. This is your host, Jess James. Join me as I highlight discussions and stories of the unafraid and unfiltered. Let's get rowdy. Even with all the stupid shit that happened with me, like, do you remember uh, Drill Sergeant Leathers? Oh, how could I forget? You remember the uh, gas chamber? Yes. Do you remember who passed out coming out of the gas chamber? Oh, that was you? I got so fucking hot because they wouldn't open the door that I literally passed out. It wasn't from the gas. Like, I'd, I'd run an entire chamber without one on, and I'd be fine. Right. But uh, I got so hot that day that I just passed the fuck out. Yeah, when I came to, Drill Sergeant Leathers was, like, on top of me trying to shake me to revive me, right? Oh, and yeah. I'm so fucking gone that, like, I'm dreaming about being back home and playing Call of Duty with my little sister and shit, and I'm, like, I'm playing fucking Modern Warfare, and one of the bosses is, like, trying to shove a big-ass fucking knife into my head, and that's the last thing I see in my dream while I'm past the fuck out. So I come to, right? And Drill Sergeant Leathers is, like, fucking standing over me, and all I can think of is I gotta protect myself. Clack! Oh, my God. Punched the drill sergeant in the face. <laughs> well, no faster than I fucking hit him in the face did he work his way behind me, put me in a rear naked choke, and fucking make me pass out again. Oh goodness. So I come I come to the second time within like ten fucking minutes, right? And the first sergeant, little fucking Puerto Rican dude, is just like standing over me like soldier. Ivan, are you okay? You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I can't remember his name. I saw him at Fort Bliss here in El Paso when I got stationed here too. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The scary looking one that looks like he's like in the fucking cartel. Yeah, absolutely. He by me and I was like, I know him. And I, I did the quote that we had to do. You remember? Everybody fights. Nobody quits for Sergeant. Oh, my God. <sighs> TST. I'm sorry, James. It's fine. It's fine. I just... I just... Our, our, fucking, our fucking penguin huddles after the uh, the urban assault course <laughs> where there's like 40 of us fucking just sitting there in the street cold and they wouldn't let us wear any of our cold weather gear. Hello, like, oh, you guys gotta do the Nick course tonight. I'm gonna get some sleep. You probably should too. And we're fucking sitting there like shivering to death trying to stay warm like how the fuck are we supposed to sleep it's funny <laughs> like shit like that is the stuff that i enjoyed though like this, yeah this like that is what i enjoy. this thing <laughs> oh someone's a little masochist i like it i like it i dig it i feel you you know what i actually heard is they don't uh they won't use uh cattle trucks anymore and that's some bullshit because, again, I feel like it's, it just, I don't know, it just kind of hardens you in a good way to kind of experience just little things like that. It, it it can kind of make a difference. And I feel like that's probably why we're seeing so many fucking dumbasses on TikTok boots. Like, but then again, had social media been so cool and advanced like it is now as it was back then, and if we were in peacetime back then, 
yeah, my bitch ass would probably be on fucking TikTok boots. Yeah, absolutely. But think about it, like these we've, guys, we've made them soft. They don't do the shark attack anymore. Like you're not allowed to fucking just run in and swarm your platoon and scare the ever loving yeah. fuck out of them and like get their attention. Yeah. They have a private that's allowed to carry their phone for social media purposes because they have to post so that the families can follow what every fucking cycle goes through. Like, a private literally gets to keep their phone all cycle. And you can tell me that the other privates aren't going to resent that person by the end of it or some shit like that. Like, there's they're trying to make it more lenient, which I think is stupid, because one, no one needs to know what happens. You want to know what happens there, then get your ass out and join yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like maybe that's because, like, people have died throughout and during training and, like, training accidents and stuff like that? To, mm. I mean, we could we could share some more stories about back in the day and some of the stuff that definitely would not be okay today, but... I mean, like, <laughs> my, first, my first counseling at a real unit was a fucking wall-to-wall. Yeah, which, absolutely. Now they don't even know what the fuck that is. I know. Oh my god, my nipples got hard. I was like, this literally what it means. Let me show you, Private. This is back when I'm fucking platoon sergeant. (laughs) I pop off. I was like, take your rank off. All right, we're both men. Let's fucking go. No. Oh my god, I was the dumbass that had to ask. I was like, what? Wall to wall, and then it happened, and I'm like, fuck. (laughs) And that's when I learned. I learned that day. Okay, John, so thank you for coming on. Um, and um, what did I want to start with? I guess we might need to like rehash some things. Um, but I guess like overall, like give us a little background about you and that kind of like journey, however like short or long you want to make it. And then... You know, then we can get talking to and about the snakes and stuff and you can just like go at it because I'm super excited. I want you to name one after me. So <laughs> I so I have those seven eggs. I have <gasps> Oh my god. Oh, that's so exciting, dude. Like Okay. All right. Uh welcome back to another episode of the R and R podcast. I have a stutter today. So <laughs> um I want to welcome my guest, John Feely. I met this dude back in the day, aka like way too long ago, and I feel old. Uh, We went through basic training together, but um, he was a 68 whiskey, so a combat medic, and you know, we haven't really spoken since, so it's just been really cool to catch up with him, and long story short, he's got snakes. John, well, I'm going to call you Feely. Uh, welcome, and thank you for agreeing to be on my show and talking to me. <laughs> yeah, it's been really good catching up with you. So, remind me that you're, you've are you been interested in snakes for a while, so it's nothing new. Like, that's from, like, childhood. But, like, yeah. what was, like, the first snake that, like, made you fall in love with it? Like, what's the snakes? Uh, so, I grew up in western Texas and New Mexico. We have rattlesnakes all over, and obviously with the 
having the stuff around you all the time, you're like, you're told, no, those are bad. Don't go near them. Don't touch them. Well, I, I was always that kid that if you told me no, that's exactly what I was going to fucking do. I, I mean, I feel you on that. Like, my cat used to kill garter snakes and bring them to me, and I would appreciate her gifts and, you know, give them proper burials. So I just have a, a really huge love for animals and reptiles and all the creepy crawlies. Before we get into that, I guess just tell me what you did in the Army um, and then what you did afterwards. In the Army, I spent a little over six and a half, just under seven years in. I was a combat medic. I had a rotation to Kuwait with a couple of overnighters into Iraq. And uh, I held pretty much every spot that you could enlist it. Like, I was everything from a driver to regular medic to, like, the platoon sergeant's second-hand man, squad leader, team leader, platoon sergeant. Uh, I even worked as a meadow and a platoon sergeant at for a while because our unit wasn't afforded a meadow so the platoon sergeant got to do all the work so yeah anything uh anything medical i have pretty much done in the army wow that's really impressive and you know that's that's kind of a rare opportunity and i feel like you really seized that which is really important you're just like give me all of the knowledge i need to <laughs> okay sorry count dracula wants to be educated too um what did you do after the army so after the army um i got medically retired and then kind of turned into a bum for four months trying to figure out what the hell i wanted to do it happens man yeah for sure for <laughs> yeah obviously like you got bills and I have, so at the time I had two kids and I just bought a house like six months before they tell me that I'm about to be medically retired. So I have all these bills stacking up that I haven't been able to pay for months. And um, I end up going to this tech school and becoming a CDL driver or a semi truck driver, mm -hmm. however you want to look at it and then I uh, cheat the system and uh, I create a uh, what is it I want to say it's a 398 or something like that it's the uh, military driver's license right that get, tells you like all the vehicles and, like all the requirements that you have on your license and yeah stuff like that. So I create one of those and I send it to this company to show that I have two years of training on CDL class equipment, quote unquote. You know what I mean? And um, they took it. So I got a job that you're supposed to have two years experience for and I'm working as an independent contractor for this company moving. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen them up in Colorado, but those the multiple tractors, like mm -hmm. the actual belt where they're like stacked on top of each other. Oh, belt. yeah. Yeah, so that's what I used to do. And I literally traveled all over the 48 continental states and I've seen the whole country. It's pretty amazing. Uh, dealt with ups and downs with family because of being gone all the time. And, uh, 
But I found it uh, I found it very therapeutic at the time because I had I had the time to think. Yeah. And I had the time to kind of realize what I wanted in life and realize what I really didn't want and what wasn't important to me. So it it was. I did it for like seven months, and I think it was a well-used seven months. So yeah. I got out um, after my last child was born, and I realized that we needed to pay bills, so I started working on a ranch, and I worked army hours there, which everyone everyone thinks and hears it's this nine-to-five job. I guarantee you it's not. It will never be. You're doing a minimum of... 50 to 60 hours a week and that's probably not including your PT so have fun with that yeah I mean it's that's okay there's some garrison people that just thrive and they're able to just like they have the authority to be like I'm out at five o'clock where some people put in like 60 to 80 and like hey I have to fucking be here like so that's cute (laughs) nine to five like no you put in fucking long hours in there too so I guess the physical and the mental and and all that has been really good for you. And I'm I'm glad that you're embracing that too. Like, hey, like this is an opportunity to see all, like the states, which I'm an immigrant, so I think that's fucking baller. You had a beautiful view and you get to think these things through. You get to dive deep in, in yourself and really put you first as well as, you know, like the well-being of your family, like your wife and your children. So I really honor and admire that in a man. I'm just glad to see you up on the positive side of that too. What did you do after the ranch? So after the ranch, um, my wife was prior service as well. So she got her disability from the military. And we looked at each other and we're like, you know, I really don't have to work. We can pay our bills month to month off of what we make um but we want more and we knew we wanted more so i started going to school but with going to school and both of our disabilities and retirements it's it's afforded us the opportunity to really have time together like i all of my schoolwork's been online thus far so especially with covid going on like COVID's thrown such a weird fucking monkey wrench into everything this year that uh, a lot of people have taken it and ran with it and made something positive with it. And a lot of people have done the exact opposite, unfortunately. And I was lucky enough to be one of those on the positive side. So That's, that's all that you kind of can do. Uh, you know, everyone has had some sort of loss or struggle throughout this time. So um, the productive thing and I guess the the best thing that you can do is find the good in it and take advantage of that time that you have now. Like, again, that silver lining is just absolutely important. Now you're currently like in school, which is pretty cool. Um, and then you're doing the snakes. Right now. It's, it's probably more looked at as like a hobby that you get a return from. They want to build it fully into a business that I want that to be my mainstream. So yeah, really like is to uh, produce and breed a bunch of snakes. And then I want to create an education show and 
I'm actually, so you know how like the VA has uh, like the animal therapy for their, uh, their cognitive behavioral therapy. It's finding that shit, right? And then, oh, well, you can bring dogs and you can bring cats and you can, you can bring these fluffy fucking animals that everyone's allergic to. And it's okay. Like, I mean, it, it's one way of doing it. I'm trying to create a program where they'll allow veterans that, uh, would like to go into the reptile side of it more than, and so I'm working with my local VA. Obviously it can't just be a local thing that has to be like a national level decided on because they have to approve it because the liabilities for reptiles, I guess, in everyone's eyes is worse because you got to worry about like zoological diseases and all this other shit. But um, plus if you get, well, I mean, you get bit by a cat and it actually pierces or like a dog, those bites are worse than like the diseases you can get from a snake or reptile, but still like the way people view them, I guess they're viewed worse. So I absolutely am on board with that. You know, animal equine therapy is, is, you know, an alternative that it does work because people suck and sometimes you don't want to deal with people. So you get this really cool critter to hang out with and take care of and it's re-establishing that bond to something else and I'm supporting a farm like that in North Carolina and that's what they're trying to do so shit I could hook you up with someone who could probably want to buy some snakes for that so uh, that's so cute do you like make your snakes like little hats or like little outfits or like no okay I think you should but maybe that's for me but that's so cool I mean like yeah like it doesn't have to be fluffy and whatever to be cute like you know yeah snakes are freaking baller and there's just so it's just, I don't know it's just something cool about having them in your hands and like kind of feeling that well, I mean, like, you, so reptiles are, like, the one animal, the one animal, because I don't care how hypoallergenic you say an animal is. Like, my dad, luckily, I didn't get those allergies passed down. Like, I still have allergies, but mine aren't as bad. But my dad is, like, that one person that you put him near any animal. I don't care if it's a skinless animal. Or like oh, a yeah, and he'll just, like... like... Oh, goodness. It's, like, no dander for him. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So the reptiles are like the one thing I can have around him and there's no effect. And that's like the one true hypoallergenic animal. With what I'm trying to do with the VA, I, I came up with that idea because of like going through my own therapy. So and I've been out for just over two years. Of the military? Okay. Right. So just o over two years as of like November 5th or some shit like that. Yeah, November 5th. And uh, in those two years, I've been to, I think, eight different counselors. I did a lot of psychology research on my own and like focusing on uh, like cognitive reasoning and cognitive behavior therapies and different aspects to like cool yourself down and bring yourself out of it. And, um, Cause that's what, that's where I found myself being the worst it's like when i start having a ptsd episode or something sets me off or my anxiety and depression kick in really bad like if i don't find a way to cool down really quick then that's when it gets bad you know what i mean so 
finding like those triggers and finding the way to bring myself out of that trigger before it escalates has been like the biggest component to where I am with my family and uh, as a person today. And like, I've tried everything, man. Like I've, I've went into yoga, I've done like uh, fucking meditation classes, like you name it. I've, I've probably at least dabbled in it a little bit. Like my, my toes have been in the water. I haven't submerged completely, but I've definitely tried down near everything that they say. And uh, yeah. the one thing that has always been a calming factor was animals. The fact that reptiles were like my favorite animal. And besides being bit, there's really not a side effect to it. But if you train an animal from like birth to working with people 99.99% of the time, you're going to be able to read that animal and know if they're going to try to bite someone or hurt someone. You know what I mean? So true. Uh, true. that's what it's really driven me to kind of start that project is having to basically find a way to heal myself in the first place. And then, uh, knowing that animals are like, kind of like you, like, and I know you're that crazy cat lady. We, we even joked about it in basic training. No, oh, fucker. I, I had a lot of downtime, so I went, like I said, I I was a platoon sergeant and a meadow at the same time, and I was doing that job. And then they're like, well, you're being medically retired, so they brought in a new platoon sergeant, and then they brought in two E6s, which I had never had. Like, I did, I did a meadow job and a freaking platoon sergeant job as an E5 promotable for yeah. a fucking year and I couldn't get them to bring one in but as soon as they hear that I'm fucking retiring they brought three people that outranked me and they're like well just show up to your appointments and call us and let us know you're okay so like while everything's the worst that it could possibly be like I, I'm getting ready to lose my job and like <laughs> my mental status isn't there because of prior events that had happened uh, within the last year and uh, so I was, I went to Basic and Sill, AIT in Sam Houston, which is San Antonio, Texas. And then mm-hmm. my entire time I was stuck at Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas. Fort Bliss. Oh my God. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's so blissful. Is it? Is it really? Oh, I can't, I can't imagine. <laughs> like, it, it, it has the best PX in the country. So... It is a pure state of bliss. But no. It, mm. Besides the shopping amenities, it's probably the biggest shithole. <laughs> Alright, but the YouTube. Alright. <laughs> Bring like, in the YouTube in. Sorry. Sorry. No, 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 no. You're good. That's, I don't, I don't even you know. know. My here, like, I had all this fucking dead time, right? Mm-hmm. And I started getting snakes. I was like, you know, I, I could start breeding these and I know I want to do education on snakes and yeah. what way to like do it and kind of like start a YouTube and start creating like chronicles of everything. Snake education. That's really cool. You should absolutely do that because the first question I have is, how do you breed snakes? And then I imagine two snakes trying to fuck 
and then I'm like, wait, I've never seen a snake vagina or a snake penis. I don't even know where they. Want to see one? I can show you one right now. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. I'm nervous. Oh god. Oh wow. Oh, he's got drawers. He's pulling out. He's pulling out a snake. Oh wow. What am I looking at? What is that? What is that? See those two bumps? Uh huh. Those are its dicks. Dicks? Oh hell no! What? <laughs> Remind me to not reincarnate as a snake. Oh my god. Or actually, <laughs> dear God, please let me reincarnate. <laughs> so wait, female snakes have two vaginas? Oh. <gasps> really? Really? Oh my so god. They vagina per se like a human does so they don't get like the pleasure aspect out of it oh the oviduct so that the sperm can reach the follicles that they produce which is essentially like your eggs right how do we know that the snake doesn't find pleasure from it oh it's just kind of like oh all right i'm getting i'm getting probed it's a quick thing it's like it's like your uh pap smear but without the scraping Ugh, thanks for that um, reminder and feeling. Come on, James. But I was just curious. I mean, damn. Two dicks, two vaginas, two two ducks, whatever. Yikes, that just mm, sounds so hot. Okay, so you breed them. Do you set the mood? I gotta play music in it. Really? Okay, yeah, you're a man with taste. I'll play some music and I'll spray down their enclosure to like imitate the mating season for them and all that. Oh, wow. Because it's the rain season. So like, it's, I mean, it's not as simple as being like, hey, you and you go in this room and go fuck. But it's... So how's your YouTube channel been? Has it also been like a fun kind of like creative outlet? I love YouTube and I despise it at the same time, if that makes sense. Okay. I'm not too knowledgeable with the platform, but I, I've heard that from other people who are on it. And it, it's nothing about YouTube. It's it's all internal pressure that you give yourself. And I realized once you kind of let go of that pressure and you quit forcing things, yeah, it all flow a lot easier. And all your numbers start picking up without trying because the stress isn't there. Like when you don't force it. Yeah, so like when I first started... Obviously, I had shitty ass equipment and poor lighting, and poor sound, and all the like all the production features. Where if you were a production company, you'd be like, "What? Just stop." But so, that's the beauty I, of it, you know. It's starting from the bottom and getting better throughout it. Like your first episode, your first anything is gonna suck, but you kind of need to go through it. And that way you know how, what, what and how to tweak, you know? So, like, I hear you. Like, my first fucking episode, yeah, fucking yikes. And throughout time, yeah, it's going to get better. And I think you've, um, you've said that you've kind of built a community through it. So it's like, so long as the message is there and your purpose, too, like, you're going to get the numbers. You're going to get the following and the community. So there's, like, a bunch of cool people just following you, like, for for snake tips and advice and, and facts.
for the audience um, who may want to get on YouTube, as you mentioned, just like, you know, don't force it and it's your own pressure. Is there anything else that you want to like kind of share with that, with your journey in YouTube? Have a plan. Go in there, just blindfold it. You're going to get overwhelmed. Uh, even in the reptile industry, there's there's a huge community. Like, there's guys on there that have they've been doing it for 20 plus years, and they've been on YouTube since YouTube started, and they got multi-million followers, right? And there's guys that have essentially, like, a hundred to two hundred followers like that that's how diverse the industry really is but um it all comes with time like go in there with a focus and stick to that because you got to realize like it's like anything else social media they're creating an algorithm right mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out exactly where your content fits within those algorithms because regardless of how many tags or whatever you put on your stuff it's okay these type of people that like these other things are what's following this so that's what we that's what we need to push that content out to and stuff like that right yeah so you want to make sure you have that plan to focus down as small as you can onto a single subject and then if you want to do more than that obviously there's there's platforms to do that like you can go into strictly vlogs which I kind of do. So, like, I have a blog day to build a following. I have an interview day to build a following where mm -hmm. I interview other members of the reptile industry. And, like, I, I like to really get the newcomers. Like, I'll, I'll get people that are um, have spent years in the industry, but I, I like the newcomers. I like to hear the news story, what's driving them, why they chose it, because that's, that's kind of what, like, brings me that happiness you know like mm -hmm. snakes are my thing snakes are my therapy they're like my my zen zone so finding other people that think the same way and the fact that it, it's a very it's a very thick veteran community as well like a lot of veterans switch over and they go into like snakes and law enforcement and other things right but a lot of people in the reptile community are prior service so oh. it's, it's multiple connections with other people which is freaking amazing um but yeah stay focused on something and then just don't be afraid like i i don't know how many videos where i spent multiple hours like if it's not a live video where i'm doing an interview i probably spend a solid four to six hours for between the shooting uh, the script writing, if I decide to use the script, because a lot of the time I just shoot off the hip. Um, the editing, the re-editing, and like adding audio and little tweaks and stuff like that, you know what I mean? It's essentially a six-hour process for me mm -hmm. every time. I've, I've gone through that and literally like gotten ready to submit it So like, you know what? I didn't like that one thing or I didn't like how I portrayed this and instead of reshooting and just adding that little segment into it, I'll fucking delete the whole project and then I'll put something out. Your consistency and how finite of a niche you can, like how pinpoint to that niche that you decide to go to is what really drives the growth on that platform. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was really well put, Feely. That was really good. <clears throat> how's 
Cinderella. <laughs> Natalie. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I'm so glad that, you know, you grabbed the gold from the episodes from life and from, you know, everything that's kind of come your way. So thank you so much for just opening up and catching up with me and, you know, sharing your story too. So where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you or your, your snake videos? You can find me on Facebook and YouTube under John Feely. Or if you Google Feely's Clutch or search Feely's Clutch on YouTube, it'll automatically pull up. Um, Clutch, what does that mean? Like so, when pythons lay their eggs, it's called a clutch of eggs. Oh, and, uh, like and behind it, Feely's clutch is supposed to kind of derive like this is me giving you a part of my family. Aww. So like this egg have their eggs, they're part of my family, and then I'm giving, I'm bringing you into my family. Is kind of like the meaning behind the name. That's really beautiful. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I definitely name a snake after me then. 